Morning Liberty. Yeah. Chicken, what? <laughs> well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee. I almost forgot to say it again there at the beginning. We got to say Nashville because that's something you do on the radio. You got to tell people what town you're in because they're Nash all... Nash Vegas. Nash Vegas, for mm-hmm. sure. We've been downtown a couple times in the last couple weeks. The Home of shows. the bachelorette parties. It is. Yeah. That is a true story for sure. So all the ladies listening out there, we'll see you in Nashville soon. All the time. We're out there partying all the time from what I can remember. Yeah. We are always out there. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this is, uh, like Catch I said, us on the streets. this is technically a podcast called Good Morning Liberty by night on the radio. We are known as Liberty at Night, uh, but we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to. And here, I wanted to let you know something. Mm-hmm. I have a condo with nothing but... <laughs> God bless. Okay. So Char- while Charlie's doing Jay-Z lyrics over yeah. here, I believe is what's happening, uh, we'll tell you about Liberty and stuff. Charlie's gone for the rest of the week. I am. This is his only day here because we didn't do a live episode yesterday. Actually, I'll be back Friday, but you're probably traveling that afternoon, I bet. I'm not. I'm here all weekend. Oh. Yeah, Lacey's out of town this weekend. Nice. So, I mean, there'll be people at the house, but, you know. <laughs> not busy. Lacey. Yeah, just not Lacey. So... I'll be bash. I'm going to watch all of the sci-fi movies I can. I bet you're going to take horror movies. Oh my God. The you're... sleep numbers are going to be yeah. ridiculous this mm-hmm. weekend. No, I'm going to be doing. Oh yeah. Here, let me put Nate's address in the live group. <laughs> Go ahead and put it in there. We'll have a pool party Fade, at my house. Yeah. Fed Haters Club. Y'all come visit <laughs> Nate this weekend. <laughs> okay. So it's Tuesday. There are some things in the news. There is an update to a funny story that happened over the weekend. So A lot of people have already talked about this uh, story on yesterday's news cycle, but there's a little bit more of an update to it right now. Charlie, did you hear that Canada uh, recognized and honored a literal Nazi in their uh, parliament? No. Yeah. Well, Uh, it's because he was a Ukrainian. And so they honored him. He's like 98 years old because of this guy's been fighting for Ukraine Turns out the guy was an actual Nazi in, in the SS. Like a legit <laughs> the real Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to thank your veterans, you know? You do. Yeah. <laughs> but he's from Ukraine, so it's okay. Yeah. That's uh, the thing. Ukrainian a- Nazis are in these days. Well, we're, yeah, we're trying to help them. Yeah. Um. So this, uh, let's see, Canadian Parliament honors man who fought for Nazis. Speaker regrets his decision. So the mm. guy, I will say, they didn't actually plan this honoring. I think the guy happened to be there for some reason, and the speaker kind of off the cuff uh, was told about him and honored him for all his fight uh, for for Ukraine and all that. And it turns out some people did about two seconds worth of digging and found out that the guy was an actual like, Nazi. Someone didn't do their homework. So we got uh, some videos and stuff, but um, the speaker of Ken- of canada's house of commons apologized for recognizing a man who fought for a nazi military unit during world war ii uh, just after ukrainian president Zelensky delivered an address in the house of commons friday canadian lawmakers gave 98 year old yaroslav hunka a standing ovation when speaker anthony rada drew attention to him rada introduced hunka as a war hero who who fought for the first ukrainian division why was he there I'm not sure so why, why was he this was guy there. I'm not sure why he was actually with. there. I have not been able to find anything on that. Here's just a little clip of them giving him the uh, the ovation. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, gosh. speech received at least a dozen standing ovations. There was There's the guy. There's also one for this man, a 98-year-old Ukrainian-Canadian who fought for Ukrainian independence against the Russians during the Second World War. Okay. A Nazi. So they, uh, they honored this guy, fought for the first Ukrainian, what was it, unit or whatever they called it, but uh, that was also... Uh, let me see if I can figure out the... Let me get back to the thing. Jeez. Where's the thing? Okay, there we go. Uh, the guy apologized with the Speaker of the House of Commons apologized. Of course, he didn't know the guy was an actual uh, Nazi, so that's embarrassing. Although, I don't know. Like I said, Ukrainian Nazis are pretty okay. Rada called him a Ukrainian hero, uh, hero and a Canadian hero because now he lives in... Uh, Canada, like a lot of other Nazis, and we thank him for all his service. Uh, let me see if they name it was the Waffen SS right there, or the 14th Waffen Division, a volunteer Waffen. unit that was under the command of the Nazis. Mm. Okay, so you know, a confusing history there with what happened. Germany was going around. Just invading a lot of different places, taking the place over, and uh, Russia Although, was going around and just in, you know, doing their Russia thing. It and wasn't that Ukraine because, is, hang on, you forgot to read the bottom part, which the friends of Simon Westenthal Center for Holocaust Studies issued a statement Sunday saying that his division, this guy's division, quote, was responsible for the mass murder of innocent civilians with a level of brutality and malice <clears throat> that is unimaginable. Huh. Hmm. Okay. Hero. Well, well, that's not good. Yeah. That's not I'm trying to I've I'm trying to see if we could figure out why the guy was actually here. Um the elderly veteran Hunka was honored during the session. Uh Zelensky addressed the lawmakers to thank them for their support since Russia invaded, saying Canada has always been on the bright side of history. The speaker who compared Zelensky to Winston Churchill. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> recognized a veteran from the Second World War who fought for Ukrainian independence against the Russians and continues to support the troops today, even at his age of 98. So he's still supporting the Nazis. So he's still a Nazi. Still. <laughs> that's uh, that's yeah. what we got. Now, a couple little updates on this. I'm some Nazis. This is interesting. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with it, but since they found the guy, um, extradition is now being sought of this uh, SS Nazi veteran who was honored by... The uh, Canadian Parliament, the Polish government, a Polish government minister has launched a bid to extradite Hunka, the 98-year-old Ukrainian-Canadian uh, who fought for a Nazi division during World War II. Uh, so they're like, oh, there's that guy. Um, oh, here's a war criminal. Yeah, <laughs> Look, we found the war criminal. He's still be an, alive. Being honored. <laughs> it's, Man. This guy went from having the best night ever to like, <laughs> oh, no. Like in the group, never mind, this is a white pill. <laughs> it turns out. <laughs> yeah. You never think, I mean, this guy's life turned around really quickly. Here he is being 98 in Canada, you know, and being a Nazi and getting away with it, even getting honored up there when they're talking about Ukraine. And unfortunately, the clip and the story goes viral enough uh, that now they're seeking extradition for, <laughs> for, for war, war crimes. <laughs> Hey, I don't think there's any statute of limitations on. on I don't know what they. I don't know when that runs out. Uh, Mm -hmm. Justin Trudeau, by the way, had some words to say about it. He did apologize for it and blamed Russian disinformation. (laughs) 
I don't really know where he was going with this, but... He wants you to know that it's not their fault. <laughs> Here's what he had to say. That's what he wants you to know. Obviously, it's extremely upsetting that this happened. Uh, the speaker, speaker has uh, acknowledged his mistake uh, and has apologized. Uh, but this is something that is deeply embarrassing to the Parliament of Canada and, by extension, to all Canadians. Uh, I think particularly of Jewish MPs and all members of the Jewish community across the country who are uh, celebrating Yom, or commemorating Yom Kippur today. Uh, I think it's going to be really important that all of us push back against Russian propaganda, Russian disinformation, and continue our steadfast and unequivocal support for Ukraine uh, as uh, we did last week with announcing uh, further measures to stand with Ukraine in uh, Russia's illegal... The, uh, the Russian disinformation, I think, is that Ukraine has a bunch of Nazis. And this is at a time where he's apologizing for recognizing a Ukrainian Nazi. Yeah. Yeah. So... He wants you to know <laughs> that even though it's embarrassing... See, the, he's sorry that it's embarrassing. Yeah. He's not actually mm -hmm. sorry that they recognized a Nazi. No. He's sorry that it was embarrassing. And then he wants you to know that this is the only Nazi from Ukraine. All the other Ukrainians are fine. And if you hear about them being Nazis, that's just Russian disinformation. Politico worded this in a clever, clever way. Nazi-linked veteran received ovation during Zelensky's Canada visit. Now, Nazi-linked, that puts you right up there yeah. with being Donald Trump, basically. He was a Nazi! <laughs> he he was, had a swastika! <laughs> he was a literal... Nazi, but Politico decides to say that this was a Nazi-linked veteran. Mm. You know, the, the SS, they were different. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> okay, so... I love the reader's added context here. He was an SS soldier that is far more than merely a link. Yeah. So... Good job on the community notes uh, right there. Okay, let's move on to something else. Now, this kind of comes across as a, a this this actual story is a white pill for yeah, the it's a very similar hair for the individual uh the of who with who you and gavin oh yeah thanks yeah he's, he's got a little more gray than a little you. bit more gray yeah mm -hmm. but very similar so is that your dad <laughs> i'm are you a california communist shill no pretending no definitely not yeah it's definitely not. Are you a deeply closeted communist? <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay, um, this is this is a white pill for individual families in California, although I'm taking it as something else um, because I'm allergic to white pills. But it is good news. Newsom vetoed a controversial gender identity bill in California. Now, this is a bill that was basically going to direct judges... Uh, to take into account this, the kid's gender identity and whether or not one of the parents uh, was affirming the gender identity one of the parents wasn't uh, in custody disputes and things like that. Now they Which can parent wins? They, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. No way of knowing. Should have duels for that. Um, and so they were going to be doing that, and that's not uh, that's not something I agree with. Okay, but they they still can do that because they are supposed to take the health and wellness of the child into account. And if they want to read that into health and wellness, then they can do that. But he vetoed this and he uh, he vetoed another bill that we'll talk about here in a second. Um, this one's actually in the show notes right here. It's the first article in the show notes. And we'll talk about why he vetoed two progressive hard left bills uh, last week. Mm. I think it's 
I think it's a bad reason. Oh. But we'll see. You want to you want to do this, this guy one? Might be running for yeah El Presidente. I think he doesn't want to have these on his record. <sighs> mm. All right. Uh, this is from National Review. Deviating from his past legislative support of transgender youth in California, Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom vetoed a bill that would have required parents to demonstrate affirmation of their child's gender identity in custody court battles. Under California Bill AB 957, judges would have been legally obligated to specifically consider whether parents have affirmed their child's gender identity or gender expression in determining the health, safety, and welfare of the child. The California State Assembly passed the bill along strictly party lines earlier this month, hoping hoping to advance transgender rights in the state. Just for a second, can we can we comment on the fact that this is a ridiculous, disgusting bill? Yes, absolutely gross. And also forcing judges to be legally obligated to specifically consider. I mean, this already happens. We've already heard stories of of this happening where parents losing their rights because they weren't affirming their child's Mm -hmm. uh, gender dreams. Um, But actually directing them and being legally obligated to look at this, uh, that takes it a step further, for sure. He said, Newsom said in a statement late Friday night, he appreciates the passion and values that the assembly member Democratic Lori, uh, Democratic assembly member Lori Wilson for authoring the bill, but disclosed he couldn't sign it. Quote, I share a deep commitment to advancing the rights of transgender Californians, an effort that has guided my decisions through many decades in public office, except I'm not going to write, I'm not going to sign this one. He must have had that pill, that pen from Liar Liar. You know, write it or I'll break it off. He said, uh, that said, I urge caution when the executive and legislative branches of state government attempt to dictate in prescriptive, I'm sorry, in prescriptive terms that single out one characteristic legal standards for the judicial branch to apply. That's, that's, <laughs> that's like... That's a weird quote coming it's from Gavin Newsom. Kind of weird from yeah. this guy. <laughs> other minded elected elected officials in California and other states could very well use this strategy to diminish the civil rights of vulnerable communities. It is kind of like how can the legislative branch dictate to the judicial branch what they must review? I mean, I guess they can't. Like, yeah. And somehow he recognized this. Nonetheless, the California governor noted judges are still, quote, required to consider a child's health, safety, and welfare in the context of their gender identity when hearing out parents in child custody cases, even if the bill wasn't signed. Moreover, a court under existing law is required to consider a child's health, safety, and welfare. Following the governor's veto, Wilson expressed her disappointment with the decision. I am extremely disappointed we can't mutilate children. (laughs) As many children as I wanted to mutilate. Uh, I added that emphasis. That added. was not her quote. Emphasis added okay. by Chuck. Yeah. Yeah. Now she says, quote, I am extremely disappointed. I know the governor's record. He's been a champion for the LGBTQ plus community for years. And even before it was a popular, even before it was popular to do so. Now, is it popular? Miss Wilson. Um, I think, well, not the kids thing. No, no, no. not, not super popular there. No. However, on this allowing p- people to be who they want to be as adults, I think is pretty popular. Yeah. Right. Eh, maybe it's uh, maybe 50, 50 there. The whole, what is a woman thing kind of really put a damper on that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
But if people want to be who they want to be, it just doesn't mean that you, you know, you're going to force me to bend the truth on your behalf and, and call you a different word. Now, if you've legally changed your name, that's one thing I will say. Uh, I think people like even Jordan Peterson or some of the others will take it too far and calling, you know, like uh, Elliot Ellen Page, Ellen Elliot Page. Mm. If she's legally changed her name. <laughs> You're dead naming her on the radio? On dead gendering. Uh. If if the legal name is Ellen now and you're like Elliot, you're like, okay, well, you weren't born like your human being, like it just was Elliot, like natural to your man. No, your your parents gave you that as your legal name. If you change your legal name, you don't have to be a, a D bag about saying the the old name. Like people change their names. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. They you, do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now the gender part, that's different. Right. Um she continues on saying that uh, her bill was intended to give the trans community a voice, particularly in the family court system where non-affirming parent could have a detrimental impact on the mental health and well-being of a child. What if the affirming parent had a detrimental <laughs> impact on the mental health and well-being of a child? And how do you determine this? Because all the evidence they use science, Charlie. is garbage. It's science, though. Mm-hmm. There is a couple studies that follow yeah. people for a year. Scott, Scott Weiner was a little bit louder about this. He said this veto is a tragedy mm. for trans kids here and around the country. Weiner posted on <laughs> X, formerly known as Twitter. These kids are living in fear with right wing politicians and Democratic governors <laughs> working to out them, deny them health care, ban them from sports and restrooms, erase their humanity. California needs to unequivocally stand with these kids. Now, if you look at polls who were talking about whether or not things are popular, as far as national polling goes, not that that always matters, but it does give you a little bit of a temperature reading on the country, like 73% of the country thinks that people should perform the sport of their uh, biological sex, sex, you know, and not whatever they are identifying as. And so it's not just hardcore right-wing Christian conservatives or whatever they're doing this. Like, this mm-hmm. is a pretty common yep. hell belief right now. So, anyway. <sighs> Gross. That's one. Let's look at one more. Newsom also veto the California... I was surprised by this, too. A California bill to have human drivers ride in autonomous trucks. So, autonomous shipping is going to be a thing coming. I guess it already is a thing in some in some places. but And I got to let you know, look, if you're a <clears> truck driver <throat> right now, this has been... We've been talking about this for six years yeah. at least. Okay. The riding is on the side of your trailer it, on the truck. Yeah. It literally, it's they're riding it on there. And it's AI. Yeah. You should read it. And because there aren't, those jobs are going to go away. They will. They will. Within and I, the next five to 10 years. And I believe this was more than likely a union or something that was pushing in this bill to have like, okay, even if you have an autonomous truck, you got to pay a driver to, to, to ride. Are you just a truck rider at that point? I, like, oh, what's your husband do? Oh, he's a truck rider. He's, you know, he watches Netflix going down the road, <laughs> making sure the computer don't mess nothing up. So you know? they wanted to have someone in there, even though it was an autonomous truck. 
And that's what the bill was going to say. See, a bill to require human drivers on board self-driving trucks, a measure that union leaders and truck drivers said would save hundreds of thousands of jobs in the state. And here's the thing, truck drivers. I don't want you to go without a job. No. I want you to have a job. But you have to know, like, <clears throat> as innovation spurs, the certain jobs end up going away. And you can take the skills you have. I'm sure you're a great driver. I'm sure you know a lot about mechanics. I know most truck drivers fit, can fix things themselves. They know how to work machinery and all kinds. Of, you have partic- you have a particular, you have a very particular set of skills. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you can increase those skills and start to maybe get a side hustle or go back to school or whatever it is. Uh, because when your job goes away, that way you're prepared. You take responsibility for yourself and your family. And you're prepared for when your job goes away. You don't try to get the government. Then this is the thing that makes me upset about conservatives sometimes. It's like, you don't try to get the government to coerce the free market that you believe in. Yeah. By the way, you believe in the free market. You don't get the government to coerce the free market so you get to keep a job. Well, that's the thing. Like the these people who work, it's not that it's not sad that they could lose their job that they've had for a long time and the way that they're earning a living. What you want is for them to have other uh, workforces that they can go into, other other jobs that they can go into, but you can't stop. You, you can't stop technology from changing the way that we do things. And if we no longer need someone in the truck, if that can help us, maybe it can make shipping cheaper. Maybe it can make things faster because we're not worried about the driver schedule and stuff like that. Maybe eventually it's it's probably going to be safer more than likely. Um, if if it can make things better, then that's it's better for everyone. And so you don't just want to save the jobs of the people that are driving trucks right now to the detriment of the entire country, which is a lot of what the protectionist job policies do. They just try to save that one person's job or maybe a million people's jobs to the detriment of 330 million people and then act like the country's better off because of what, what is better or, is, or, you know, you lose a million jobs, but because of the new industry that's created, that could have, you know, created 5 million jobs. So now mm-hmm. you're sacrificing the potential yeah. jobs that would have been created in other industries yep. for the protection of these. Absolutely. And there's an, un- ones. there's an unseen problem right there. We don't know what that increased efficiency is going to do, yeah, what which, the new technology is going to do. But you can look at history. Mm-hmm. What did the internet do? There's a lot of people who work mm-hmm. on the internet. Yeah, a lot of people. that, that They didn't it, used to work on the internet. No, because it didn't mm-hmm. exist, mm-hmm. right? So there's oh. a, we, we're always doing this, right? We're, human beings are extremely innovative. I know, mm-hmm. we have, I know we have at least one trucker in our, in our live group, um, and, and Cap. Yeah, I mean, somebody did hashtag AnCap OnlyFans. <laughs> or, um, there's all kinds of things you can do, and and by and, the way, it's it's also going to be it's going to be years and years and years before all the trucking jobs right. are replaced. Yes, like this is something they're talking about maybe in in cities or maybe it's a long haul down forty, you know, across a couple states where you you don't run into that much traffic and it's a big straight. Uh, you That'd know, be Highway there. 90 across Montana. <laughs> That'd be that one thing too. Is straight, yeah. and there ain't nothing there. I love driving. Is it is it in 40 fact, that goes through? Like you can kind of go from like Arizona, New Mexico, like through 40. Is does That's it not 10? do that? You mean 10? 10? Is it 10? I don't know which one it is. My bad. 
really pretty drive. I volunteered to move my father-in-law's uh, belongings, like in a U-Haul truck, from Phoenix to Chattanooga because I wanted to drive the interstate back because it's you, so pretty. But you went through Phoenix, so, you went through Arizona, New Mexico. Yeah. Like Texas. Through that way. Like Texas? Uh, probably. That's 10. Is it 10? Uh, okay, yeah. not 40. Fine. Yeah. Although 40, does 40 run through Texas and Oklahoma? <laughs> we'll get a map. We'll get, Oklahoma? A, we'll get an atlas out and look at this later on. Well, did you know, like, Interstate 10, 20, it goes up. I I learned 10, that 20. probably, like, six months ago. Did I didn't, I didn't yeah. know that mm. before that. Yeah, that's the way it works. So I guess yeah. 40 wouldn't be there. Okay, anyway, let's, uh, let's move you on to... You should have taken Route 66 and got your kicks, man. Magoo says, 10! 10! 10! All right. <laughs> Uh, let's uh, let's move on to something else. There, another thing people have been talking about, and I want to get into a little bit of... Dan has a good point here real quick, though, before you move on. He says they could have the trucks be remotely operated, too. And truckers could work from home. There you go. could control multiple trucks. They'll probably a truck put, simulator. They'll probably put bombs on them, and mm. we'll have drone <laughs> truckers out there in their yeah. shipping containers. It's immediately going to be used for the military. <laughs> And they, this, uh, we're going to use PlayStation controllers. What the military is going to do with automated, with AI is the scariest part of AI. Like when, when they're using it, to me, that's the scariest part. Yeah. Scariest environment imaginable. Well, you know, those dynamic robots or whatever. Um, those things don't scare. Those are on, those are pre-programmed on a track. Like if you move one of the boxes that they have to jump on, the thing just jumps and lands and it falls over yeah. and, it's, and it's done. Well, there's people inside it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I did see that online. <laughs> okay. We gotta, we gotta move on. Oh, sorry. Um, I was having too much fun. I'm trying to time this with the time of the segments that we have to record for okay. the for the thing, and that's that's the only reason. He's segmenting. Yes. So, um, like everything we said for the last three minutes isn't going to be on the radio mm. anyway, because I need the next segment sorry, to Mom. start a different way. Okay. Um, afterwards. Okay. All right. Here we go. A new. Uh, I heard. I heard on the radio that there was a new Washington Post ABC news poll that showed Trump ahead by 10 points really? over you, Joe Biden. You heard that? I heard that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe you I heard, heard it because I was looking at it on mm-hmm. the internet. Yeah, probably. you heard that. So I searched Trump ahead by 10 points on DuckDuckGo even. And the top three news results are a poll showing Trump 10 points ahead of Biden is being ridiculed. Here's why. The next one, poll showing Trump up by 10 points over Biden for 2024 election, criticized. Number three, Washington Post calls its own poll showing Trump beating Biden by 10 points, an outlier. And so those are my, <clears throat> I can't actually get to the poll and wow. see what's going on. Uh, they want me to know not to listen to what this poll says. It is an outlier, by the way. There aren't any other polls showing Trump ahead by 10. They're all like one or two. Although this... <clears throat> This reminds me of something I've seen before. When yeah. was it? Hmm. Oh, 2016. Oh, yeah. When I, there were outlying polls that showed Trump ahead of Clinton. I'm still on the record saying that there's no way Trump wins this election. I'm on the record so, saying he'll win it from prison. Yeah. You are. You are. You said that he's mm-hmm. going to win, and I said he's not. And so we'll see who's right. Yeah. Last time I, I ate my words for 2020. <clears throat> you literally, I, you wrote words on a piece of paper, and I ate those. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't swallow, but I did eat them. So Trump scores eye-popping 10-point lead over Biden in new poll. This is a poll of a 1,000 people. You know what we think about polls, uh, but we do use these to get a snapshot, and sometimes they are correct. I will, however, point out. So now Gavin Newsom is running. 
Well, I will. Well, we'll look at his his numbers are included in this, too, and it's not good. But I will, however, point out that there aren't any outlying polls showing Biden ahead by 10 points. There's only an outlier poll showing Trump ahead by 10 points. And most of the other polls showing Trump ahead by one or two, something like that. Mm. Uh, overall, when you average all of them, I think Trump is like plus two or yeah. something uh, for, for all of the polls. Yeah. So we don't have an outlier hey, Biden crushing Trump poll. We get Trump. We'll have four more years of entertainment. God bless. Yes. I don't see a good, I don't see a good outcome. <laughs> 2024's election has zero good outcomes. I'm sorry. It's, Who would be a good outcome, though? Like, Well, you're. I mean, there are people that could be a better outcome. Yeah, that's true. I think. So, okay, I wanted to look at a few of these things before we talk about the economic situation. Oh, did they print this in 1987? It's very old. Yeah. <laughs> when this thing printed, this is... it went... <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. They put the paper on the roll. This with the little definitely looks like an it. IBM report. <laughs> this is done on IBM, um, for sure. Let's I've see. seen this kind of report before. This current one, uh, September twentieth, twenty twenty three, uh, shows Trump fifty one, Biden forty two. Uh, if you go back to May third of twenty twenty three, it showed Trump at forty four and Biden at thirty eight. So Trump, according to this poll, this one poll from Washington Post, ABC, has widened his lead over Biden. And then you can he's widened over Biden. How about that? Now, if you look at some of the alternatives, now, first off, we'll look at the economic situation here, uh, because I think this is a pretty important one. Uh, would you say that you're better off or not as well off uh, as uh, now that Biden is president or since Biden became president, um, not as well off 44% of the respondents said not as well up, off. Yeah. By the way. And when you go further back, that number goes down and then they do it for each president. So when Trump came in office, were you, um, better off financially than you were in the previous administration? And so with Trump, not as well off, only 13% of people said that they were not as well off as they were under Biden or Obama. Obama Biden. Uh, and then when Obama was president, that was in the 20s and 30s. Um, w, uh, he was in the 30s. Clinton, that was down more in the teens overall, as you can kind of see what the economic performance is. But 44% of people saying that they are not as well off as they were. So since 1994, <clears throat> that's the worst. It is. Literally. This is the worst that we got. Yeah. Hey, bring Clinton back. And actually, yeah. <laughs> you know, life wasn't too bad back then. Um, let me see. Since, not just then, since 1986, it goes back to Reagan here. Um, mm. 20% of people say that as well. It goes all the way back down well down, huh? So 1986, <laughs> this is the highest So what number. you're saying is Bidenomics is worse than trickle down. Apparently. Yeah. I guess. According to the polls. Here's a current issue that you see down at the bottom. Do you think the United States is doing too much or too little uh, to support Ukraine in its war with Russia? Interesting. In April of 2022, so right after the invasion, 37% uh, of people said that, they, that we were doing too little. Okay? Uh, too little to support Ukraine. And now that has changed to eight only 18 percent of people are saying that we're doing too little 41 percent of people are saying that we're doing too much it's mostly canadians <laughs> and so 
What's changed here, I think, is people's economic situation. And they're starting to see money go to other places. They're starting mm. to see that we are paying for the salaries, like 50,000 salaries for, say, their uh, firefighters and, and uh, different government workers like that. Um, and also in your own pocketbooks, you're at, by this point, you're paying about an extra thousand dollars a month. Basically to live like you did uh, just a year ago. If you have a family, probably about it. Mm. Yeah. Something, something like For that. For the average family of four. Yes. Now, luckily you saved $2,500 yeah. on your health insurance mm -hmm. and you got to keep so your doctor. Offsets. So yeah, mm -hmm. well, you're still 1500 in the positive. Thanks to Obama. Thanks to Obama. Yeah. Thank you. That's all a joke. Uh, <laughs> just in case no one knew. Yeah. Now here's what what is concerning we are for fluent in sarcasm for the Democrat Party in general. Here's what's concerning for them. Um, who do you who would you like the Democrat Party to nominate as its candidate for president in 2024? Uh, these are other than Biden here. Kamala Harris is at eight percent. Bernie Sanders is at eight percent. RFK Jr. is at seven percent. Gavin Newsom is at three. Mm. So while my theory on him vetoing those bills, what's well, even better? Is just someone else is at 20 yes. percent and then no opinions at 40 percent. Now, when you say nominate Biden, it's only 33 uh, percent say nominate Biden, nominate someone else net of everyone is is 62 uh, percent. Say nominate someone else other than Biden. Two thirds say someone else. Only one third <laughs> say. That's know, not good. Higher grandpa not good for biden mm -mm. and so i wanted to bring this into a numbers real, numbers don't lie they don't lie and i mean this is a poll it's of about a thousand people and i will say it was um republican or lean republican and democrat or lean democrat i don't know if you can say that that includes independents because they are independents and so it's going to matter who ends up winning those people as usual those are basically the most but it's important pretty bad vote. when your own team mm -hmm is saying like, yeah, you're, yeah, we don't want you to kick the ball for us anymore. Yeah. You missed too many field goals, chip shots. Now kind of in a, you remember the word we're, we're worse off than we were before. Um, 44%. Was that the number? I think, mm. um, Corey Bush says now more than ever, workers are putting in longer hours and for stagnant pay. The labor movement is working to change that. So we're talking about all these strikes going on. I support the push for a four-day, 32-hour work week. Mm. Now, interestingly enough... I have a problem with this. Do you? Yeah. What's that? She's not going far enough. Yeah? Yeah. 32 too much? Yeah, 32 hours is still way That's too much. basically slavery. And four days a week, you only get three days off. Mm. I say... Still working over half the week. I support the push for no work, mm. but you still get paid for your for your forty hours. Work fine, and we should not settle for anything less than a million dollars an hour. I'm. You think you think I think everybody would be you know they would be doing okay if they made forty million a week. It's the only common sense solution. It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know why if you we're, care about workers. That is why. Why are we yeah. piddling with these little numbers here? I don't know. They don't, you know? they don't make any sense to me. It's ridiculous. All right, so I wanted to look at, I wanted to test this theory. Now more than ever, workers are putting in longer hours for stagnant pay. We're not going to bring inflation in yet. Longer hours for stagnant pay. So this took me just a second. Did you know the Fred has an app? They got an iPhone app pretty quick. Oh, I can get on here and look. Nice. Um, so we got the Fred iPhone app. 
on here. Thanks, Fred. Average weekly hours of all employees, by the way, sits around 34.4 average weekly. We're fighting for 32. It's a big battle right now. Uh, but the average weekly hours. is 34.4. And by the time you sit on the on the pooper, you know, you're probably... That's, I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, you're, you know... A few of those are trash hours anyway. I hear that if you take a poop every day at work, you basically get like a, a full week's worth of vacation by the year, <laughs> by the time the year's up, you know? So get your extra week of vacation there you on go. the throne. Mm-hmm. So longer hours, um, no, we... We had average weekly hours of all employees that spiked up during COVID, but that's because a bunch of people got fired or let go. And so the people who did stay and work, they worked longer hours. Okay, <laughs> so, average up. so it spiked up during COVID, but now it's back down to normal. So can you say longer hours? You No, you cannot say longer hours. And stagnant pay, now that's questionable. The average hourly earnings over this, uh, over this time frame we're looking at 2007 to right now has gone from $20 an hour. Now this is, this is average hourly earnings. This takes everyone into account. Okay. So but this is not what Oliver <clears throat> Anthony said. No, no. Yeah. I'm telling you that guy's going to be a Bernie Sanders supporter in, in less than a year. Mm. I'm, I can see it. I'm just saying he's going to say doesn't like a lot of stuff about him. Cause you don't like redheads. It's going to, no, I'm just saying he's going to support the workers. You're, you don't like red beards. <laughs> that's what it is um 20 bucks an hour and that's now sitting around 33 and a half dollars an hour over the same time frame of the it feels like you're making 15 okay so let's look at that for a second uh i did because i this is not quite enough because you got to bring inflation into the conversation that's why you feel now, like it's stagnant i posted these two or things worse. i posted these two things because as far as companies are concerned are you having people work longer hours? No, we're not getting that right now. And are hourly earnings sitting stagnant as far as what the companies are paying people? No. What's happening? Inflation. That's what's happening. Because the actual earnings have gone up like 60-something percent over the time frame that we're looking at right now. And so what's happened is inflation has taken these gains... Uh, away from people they've been trying to catch up with it but as we've said a billion times by now it's always a dog chasing its tail that's the Mm -hmm. that's the way that it works so in the case of my dog he's chasing his testicles are being chopped off oh yeah how's that going chopped off right now at the vet (laughs) as we speak as poor simba you know Mm, just imagine it picture it in your head stripping that manhood Mm. right from him gosh um average hourly earnings and uh then we've got the cpi now this still shows average hourly earnings over the same time frame right now uh starting in 2007 have gone up 67 percent and cpi has gone up 53 percent since then so if you just strictly look at the average hourly earnings of all employees in the labor force it is still beating inflation at the moment Here's what's bad for Biden coming up. Here is during the time that Trump was president. Average hourly earnings went up 14.25% and CPI went up 7.72% over that time frame. So workers seen real wage gains during that time. During the Biden time period right now, you see on top, CPI has gone up 18%. And average hourly earnings have gone up 12.9%. Mm. And so you've seen real wage declines during this time. And so once again, it's not as if all of a sudden 
companies stopped paying people, corporations stopped paying people, what happened was our inflation rate jumped up over the top of what the wage gains were. And I know what you're thinking, average hourly earnings for all employees, that's, that's not a good enough picture to look at. So we looked, now we're going to look at this. Okay, so we've got all employees. We've got the average weekly hours. We've got, then we have it separated out by manufacturing, leisure and hospitality and production, non-supervisory workers. And if you learn in pictures, <laughs> you should go to YouTube and watch. <laughs> if, if that's better for Nate you. brings in all these <clears throat> graphs. He's basically taking you to class. And this is, you know, this is your class right now. Those that can't do teach. So what you'll see since <laughs> 2000. <laughs> well, you'll see. You're since, a great teacher, uh, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Since 2007, uh, the red line seven, huh? is CPI. And what we have is all of those average weekly, or sorry, uh, manufacturing in there, all employees, leisure and hospitality, production, non-supervisory workers separated out. And so if you want to say, well, what are, that's the average hourly earnings of all people, well, that's taken into account all the bosses and managers and administrators and all those people that are getting fat paychecks. Actually, the production and non-supervisory employees has risen more than the average overall. Uh, so that's something to, uh, to look at there. Uh, you've got leisure and hospitality went up 81%. And then you see they're still all up over the, uh, the CPI since 2007 right now. Caveat, by the way, our CPI number is fake and mm. not the one that we used to use. And so we take into account the actual CPI. Yes, we know that 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 is uh, likely not as rosy of a picture. And then when you look at uh, since even since when Joe Biden took office, the one that is toying uh, with. Uh, well, there's a, a few things that are be beneath the CPI right now. And I believe the things we have beneath, we've got uh, production and non-supervisory employees. We've got manufacturing. We've got the average hourly earnings of all employees. The only one above it is leisure and hospitality. So strangely enough, even with COVID, huh? Up over, up over CPI right now. And then also this yellow line down here at the bottom, we're just looking at this. That's the average hours worked per week uh, since even since Biden took office have gone down. 0.58% since taking office. And what you'll really find here with this chart is that it's it's CPI. Let's throw in everything off. But first off, for Cory Bush, no, people are not working longer hours for stagnant pay. Uh, they're working the same hours or less, according to the data. Doesn't mean that there aren't individual cases of people working mm -hmm. more or people working multiple jobs or whatever whatever it could be. Uh, but the big problem that we have here is inflation, and that is why Biden is in such big trouble, not just because he's so old, okay, because it's it's coming for him, mm -hmm. okay? We know that. That sickle of death is going to hit him eventually. Inflation is, the, we call it the hidden tax, but really I think we should rename it to like the insidious tax. Mm. Because pe pe a lot of people get confused on why, because they feel the, they feel like they're working longer and harder for less pay. Yeah. And you feel like you can't live the quality of life that you used to live. And you're like, what is happening? You know, I just got this cost of living raise at work, but it's doing, it's not even making a dent or a yeah. scratch. And so inflation is really an insidious tax that keeps people confused. And it's a way for them to extrapolate money out of the economy. And, and that's why we talk about it so much because it's, it's extremely dangerous. And if it gets out of hand, it's what leads to some of the worst times in history imaginable. Mm. The scariest environment imaginable. 
it can get pretty bad. And and I I say history like recent history, like Venezuela, like ten years ago. And so when I mentioned when inflation was mentioned on uh, my my comment that I made on Corey Bush's post, um, people said, "Well, you know, when you look at inflation, I said, well, you got to talk to the government about that. They're the one who prints the money. You know, corporations can help that." And they said, "No, it's not." Government has nothing to do with it. It's all corporations price gouging it's people. Greed. Doing, it's, mm-hmm. it's greed. Yeah. That's, that's doing that. And so I don't know really how to fight against this argument other than to just say what the truth is. Uh, corporations are no less greedy or more greedy than they've ever been. They're always reacting to what people's buying power is. So there's a reason that inflation was 9%. Uh, last year in the summer, and it's 3.7% right now. It's because there's less extra money flowing around in the economy. And it's because they the STEMI checks have started to run out. The interest rates went up, and so people are less likely to be spending on on, on easy money, credit, stuff like that. And still a lot of people spending on credit right now. It's always a reaction to what the buying power is of the people that are that are purchasing the product. Here's a great question from the Fed Haters Club, which you can go uh, sign up for by going to joingmail.com or go to godhatesfeds.com. Stone Steve Cold Austin, he wants to know, <laughs> you know, after opening the can of whoop ass, if we started having deflation as steady as we've had inflation, would that be just as bad? Okay. Um, I think it depends on what kind of deflation like i i think prices coming down on different products is a is a good thing uh i will it can be a bad thing when you have a central bank yeah now what i'm going to admit is that i have more studying to do on this topic and uh, maybe if you're listening right now you can uh you'll have this shout out even though i can't remember your name um that uh there are good economists on the um on the austrian side of economics that have made arguments for why deflation is not a bad thing i'm just thinking of uh, investors and business owners uh, and even consumers if you see a massive amount of monetary deflation if you see prices going down uh, that you can be more likely to wait and wait and keep waiting and you don't want to let it get to a point where there's no economic activity because everyone knows that if they wait until next week things are just going to be cheaper and so anything that you do is a bad investment because you will always lose money on it and so you don't want to be the person that does it now when this is going to go on for six more months after that. And Unless you could have got it for a way better price. Unless you're writing it down like that. Mm. But I think different staggered individual amounts of deflation and prices are a good thing. And what we what we really need is uh, for prices to hold steady on things while our buying power increases and productivity increases. Well, not just Not just buying power with fake funny money. We need more productivity to increase to offset this. And one big problem we have is that our feelings or perception is extremely skewed because we've had now a hundred years of these boom and bust cycles that are extremely exaggerated compared to what they would be in a true free market. Mm -hmm. And so now after generations of this type of cycle, it's hard to the, the opinions are coming from a place of where we have these periods of hyperinflation or hyperdeflation, essentially. Mm. The, boom and, the boom and bust are extremely exaggerated from what they would typically be. 
And I was actually talking to a friend about this the other night, um, last Friday. One of the smartest guys I know. He's he's an executive at a at a huge company. Oh, I thought you were talking about me. No, no, this guy's way smarter. (laughs) Um, And I was talking to him about all this stuff, and so we were talking about that, and I was like, well, he's like, but hasn't that always been true? And I was like, well, if you look at, you know, if you look at post Civil War up until about 1913, when the central bank, you know, uh, even with World War One there. You don't see the ex- as much exaggeration uh, in the in the market as you do after the central bank is created. Mm-hmm. It's you still have ups and downs because that's a natural flowing process. I mean, everything and we can go into well, quantum, there's no there's no utopia. We can go into quantum physics here if you want to. Everything's a wave. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. It's all the vibration. You are a vibration <laughs> of the car. Feels good. Yeah. Okay. Everything is a wave. It goes up and down, up and down. Your emotions, you know, your relationships, your everything is a wave, including the economy. And so it's, it's hard. These discussions make it, it's been, they've been made harder because it's a lot scarier to have these massive moves, Mm -hmm. you know, when the waves, you know, it's like a big roller coaster. You're going way up and then way down versus like just a smooth little, it's like doing class five rapids versus class one. So I want to go back to class one. There's a couple things from the group before we get out of here. I do have to go. Um, so you're going to sign off. Yeah. Um, a couple things in the group before we get out of here. Love you. Bye. Um, ideally, I think someone said neither inflation nor deflation. I think that's really what we would want. The reason that they keep that 2% inflation goal is because they are so scared of deflation and so as we have fluctuations in the inflation amount, whether so if they're sitting at 2% and it fluctuates down to 1% uh, or it fluctuates down to 0.5, uh, they would rather not they would rather that not dip down below 0. And so the reason they keep that target is to it's also to incentivize spending and consumption in the economy. So we we would disagree with that part also. Uh, but they, they're also too scared of what would happen when it dips down below zero. And so they keep a buffer above it. And they think that the corporations and people's earnings and our productivity can keep in line with the 2% because we also have a target of like 2% GDP growth all the time that we want to be keeping. So that's why they keep that uh, right there. Uh, Stone Steve Cole Austin, he also said it incentivizes savings, though, the deflation. And that is true. Like if you're not going to go out and spend uh, because you get a better deal, you keep the same amount of money, that money can be worth way more later in the future. That's true. I think the worry is that you grind down to no economic activity at all. That's the big one. That's like your Great Depression type thing that they're worried about. I'm not going to talk anymore on this, though, uh, because I'm out of, I will say when I'm out of my depth and deflation is not something I've spent a ton of time on. So, but one of our listeners did tell me to to read up on what I believe some of the Austrian economists have said on this, and I am going to do that. I think I've spent a lot more time listening to Chicago economists like this morning. I've already spent about an hour listening to Milton Friedman this morning. So I spent a lot more time with the Chicago guys than the uh, Austrian guys. So maybe they've clouded my school of thought on this issue. All right, folks, we're going to get out of here. Charlie already left. Um, He's gone. Thank you for hanging out. Chuck's gone for the rest of the week, so you're just uh, you're just stuck with me, you know. I'm sorry, but this will be okay. Maybe have a little white pill Wednesday tomorrow. We'll talk about some good things going on in the world. If you liked what you heard today, tell a friend, tell a family member, tell the children that this is where they need to get their news from a liberty 
minded standpoint, life, liberty, pursuit of meaning every single day of the week. If you do that, if you follow, if you subscribe, if you like, if you share, if you do all of those read tweets and posts and stuff like that, then we'll be right back again tomorrow. Until then, have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.